0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pro's football podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere. Tags, how's it going today, man? It's going good, dude. Getting ready for week one, actually working on week one
1: stuff. Like, I know I just said that twice, but can you not tell I'm excited about talking about week one and not talking about the preseason and, you know, pre-draft rankings and all that stuff anymore?
0: Absolutely. So guys, Tex and I have been reading through all these reviews and we absolutely love doing it. Like we appreciate all the kind things you guys say and that you're even taking the time to leave these reviews. We do read every single one of them. And we had one that came in from a guy named Andrew and uh, Andrew, we saw that, uh, that you're struggling with cancer. Just want to give you a shout out and let you know, I'm praying for you, man. Like I hope that you can recover from this as much as possible, as long as possible, and that you have peace through this issue. Uh, And we also checked out your team and it's awesome, dude. Your team looks great this year. It really does. And Andrew, you know,
1: I I really do appreciate the note uh, because, you know, we do get emails and there are certain ones that strike me and and you were someone that like legitimately reading it. I just wanted to reach out and give you a hug. So um, I do hope you're doing well. If you need
0: anything, let us know, buddy. Stay strong. And now we're joined by Marcus Grant of NFL Media. He's on Twitter at his name, Marcus G. That's M-A-R-C-A-S-G. And I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro and tags, of course, is at Mike Tagliere NFL. Marcus, we really appreciate you coming to the show.
2: No, I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: So guys, Marcus loves fantasy football so much that he's willing to take his time out of Labor Day to hang out with us. How amazing is that, Tex?
1: It's pretty amazing. Uh, We were just talking about that before the show. It's like, wait a minute, there's a holiday today? Uh, Because those of us who work in the industry, uh, we know it's week one and we're all working. Uh, I'm actually working on the primer. Uh, I've been working on it all morning. I've been looking at waiver wire things for today's show and... uh, Yeah, man, there's no time for a day off right now. Let's just be honest about that. My wife actually asked me, she goes, It's Labor Day. Like, are are you working today? I'm like, What do you think? And she's like, That was a dumb question.
0: (laughs) Isn't Labor Day a day that we get to do whatever we
2: love the most? Like, for me, that's fantasy football. I don't care if it's my job. Yeah, it's funny. The the only way that I knew it was a holiday was like, you know, I, I live in Los Angeles and my commute is normally like, 35 to 40 minutes. Today, I got to work in about 10 minutes, as the Lord intended, because there's literally no one on the freeway this morning. So
0: no traffic or you were driving like 200 miles an hour? Both. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking some waiver wire pickups. Um, Some of this is going to be week one streamers, especially quarterback, tight end, DST, kicker. But we're also going to talk about some running backs and wide receivers we can stash. Of course, we have a ton of news to talk about. Before we get into that, I want to tell you about our waiver wire assistant. So you've probably used our draft wizard and and all these draft tools that we have that are incredible to help you get ready for your draft, but now it's time to turn the page. And one of the great tools we have for in-season advice is our waiver wire assistant. And I love using the waiver wire assistant myself. Like even though I'm an analyst for a living, I come up with, you know, these recommendations to pick up. I like to have my select team of analysts and compare my advice to what they're saying to make sure I'm maybe not missing out on something. And I can do that with a waiver wire assistant. It allows you to identify the top players to add in your league, it even gives you detailed analysis of the impact each waiver pickup would have on your team. It's only available to premium subscribers, though, so go premium today if you haven't already checked out our waiver wire assistant at fantasypros.com slash myplaybook. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash myplaybook. All right, guys, so I mentioned that news. Obviously, we're going to start with uh, Carlos Hyde being dealt to the Texans. I remember... Damian Williams' owners doing cartwheels when this happened. I mean, obviously Darwin Thompson was still there, but you know it's great to get that third running back out of the system. We'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs later. But how does this impact
2: Duke Johnson, Marcus? Uh, I don't know that it, it impacts Duke Johnson a whole lot. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it really doesn't. You know, like, I, and it's funny. A thing that you know talking about here in our office is that. This is a Texans team that really, I think, is set up to throw the football a whole lot this year, right? I mean, they added Duke Johnson, who we know has a lot of value as a pass catcher. I mean, it, it really wasn't that long ago when Duke Johnson was arguably the Browns' best receiver, right? Um, and so now he goes and, and is a pass catcher there potentially in this Houston offense. They went out and they get Laramie Tunsell over the weekend to really shore up what was a bad offensive line there. This is a team that is set up uh, to maybe run 10 personnel, right? Like, I I don't know that they they have any tight ends that really are of any significant value, especially fantasy-wise this year. So, you know, I I don't know that maybe this this impacts Duke in terms of, of what happens near the goal line, but I wouldn't really be concerned a whole lot overall. So, Tags, does Deshaun Watson move up to your number two, number one
0: quarterback maybe even?
1: I've had him right around that two or three range. I have no issue if you want to take him over Aaron Rodgers. I've said that if there's one quarterback, I could, I believe, can dethrone uh, Patrick Mahomes is the number one. I think you know Watson belongs in that conversation. Uh, they also traded for Laramie Tunsil, so I mean, there's there's obviously things that are going much better for uh, him right now. But going back to Carlos Hyde, I mean, we can't forget that Bill O'Brien gave Alfred. Blew 170 combined carries and targets uh, last year, so it's obviously a role that's going to get some touches. And I think that's the they made it a point to go out and trade for both Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. Obviously, Hyde came a lot cheaper. I I do believe that Duke Johnson is going to touch the ball maybe 15 times per game, but that's still going to leave you know 10 to 12 touches for Carlos Hyde, which it could have fantasy relevance in matchups that call for it. But again, you're going to have to predict a game where the Texans. Are going to be in a lead for the majority of it, and that might be difficult considering the defense they're going to be fielding.
0: Tex, is there any chance Carlos Hyde takes over the lead role in this backfield? And if so, what's his upside? Like maybe a Jordan Howard, a low end RB two? That's basically as high as I would say. I don't. I don't think he's a
1: better running back than Duke Johnson.
0: Yeah. So, so there's really no point in drafting him, right? Uh, it depends.
1: It really depends. Like if you need some stability in your team and like, if you're just looking for someone like, uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy was someone that I wasn't drafting while he was with the bills because there was limited upside there. Uh, but in the Texans offense, if Duke Johnson were to get hurt or something like that. I mean, Carlos Hyde would have 18 plus touches per game in
0: a good offense, but yeah, I mean, he's like Kalen Balazs, uh, Peyton Barber. I'm not really excited about those guys.
1: No, he's better than (laughs) Kalen Balage. Let's be real. Like Kalen Balazs is just not good at football. Carlos Hyde.
0: Yes. Carlos Hyde is better than Kalen Balazs. I don't know, man. He was... <laughs> Marcus, is this where we really are at? The thing is, we have to have a conversation about this. I get it. It's a better offense, but Carlos Hyde has not been a very good football player the last two years.
2: I, you know, it's funny because I liked Kalen Bellage back in, you know, May when I was getting him super late, right? And I just feel like the, the hype just took off, right? It just it just took on a life of its own. And, and suddenly Kalen Bellage is coming off the board in like the eighth or ninth round. Like I liked him because he has home run potential, right? He's a guy who, who can break a big play for you. But if we're talking about him just getting the ball on a consistent basis, there's nothing there to like. And especially in a bad offense that has gotten worse uh, over the weekend with a couple of trades. I mean, I guess just simply because of the offensive fit, I, I would like Carlos Hyde a little bit better. You know, this is a guy that I mean, when he was in San Francisco had potential. It never quite manifested itself. I think the way a lot of us wanted it to, but he's not a bad player. And I just, and all things being equal, again, I think that better offense is what wins the day for Har- for Carlos Hyde.
0: I guess here's my point. Would you guys rather have Carlos Hyde or someone with upside like Matt Breida, Jalen Samuels, uh, Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison? For me, it's all those guys over Hyde.
1: It depends on my roster and what I need there. If like you have studs that are locked into your lineup and you're just basically, you have some like high upside handcuffs on your bench. Yeah, that's fine. Um, But if you have like questionable running backs, like if you're going to be waiting on Miles Sanders and and you're going to be waiting, like you wait at the running back position and you don't have any sure things there. That's when I might want some guys like hide on my bench, just that I might be able to plug in if the role is not what I expected.
0: Okay, like if he's your RB3, I think you should probably quit fantasy football, but he's a decent (laughs) RB4. I, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. So we also need to talk about them trading for Kenny Stills this impacts Kiki Q T in my mind. Now, maybe they're just thinking Q T might not exactly be healthy for a month, or do you think they think he's not really ready for this role, Marcus?
2: I think I think it's more about health than anything. Although, you know, I, I think I think as much as he impacts Q T, he he may take a little bit off of Will Fuller's plate too because they they do some similar things. They both can be lid lifters. They can both stretch defenses a little bit. And again. This is an offense that I wouldn't be surprised if we see them go for wide receivers on occasion, which means Kenny Stills could find himself on the field a little bit. So, you know, I, I think you know, he, he, he sort of impacts a lot of all the guys in the non uh, DeAndre Hopkins division, basically, is, is, is what I, I look at there. Um, it's a great weekend for Deshaun Watson, as we talked about. It, it was so so, I think, for a lot of the wide receivers on that, that Houston team, though.
0: So Tags, Deshaun Watson threw just 505 passes last year. What's the over-under this year with the moves they made?
1: oh man this this defense has been good for a long time but they're not anymore and they uh like that's a trade that happened this weekend that doesn't really have fantasy implications uh but Jadavian Clowney losing him is is not good for the defense jj watt's getting older if jj watt were to get hurt like this defense is like legit like bucks bad they're not good i mean we could see 550 plus i still don't think that they want to throw the ball 600 plus times i don't think that's what they're trying to do they i mean they have watson to run the ball now they have a couple running backs that could take off the load there but as for stills does it really matter though like do you think like i wasn't I wasn't buying QT at his price, just considering he's the number three option, like Will Fuller. I think Stills is a, is a great addition to depth in the roster, just because he presents you know backup potential to both Will Fuller as a field stretcher and Kiki QT, because Stills has shown the ability to play in the slot. So I don't think they're necessarily going to go four wide, uh, considering their offensive line problems they have. I think they need a blocking tight end in there. Um, but I do think it's a good move from a pure football standpoint. If anything, it just it helps me boost up uh, Deshaun Watson just a little bit uh, with the addition of stills, with the addition of Laramie Tunsil, which gaining a stud left tackle like the week before the season, Deshaun Watson's
0: got to be ecstatic. I mean, that's great, but he's also got to learn to uh, be cohesive with that unit as Ross Tucker talked about when he came on. Like that's the biggest challenge. It's not learning the playbook. It's learning to work with that left guard. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I think Houston did get some upgrades on offense. So I do like Deshaun Watson more. If you pro rate his fantasy points to 550 pass attempts this year, which is the number you threw out their tags, he would have been the number two fantasy quarterback last year ahead of Matt Ryan, ahead of Big Ben, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, I, and I do think they're going to throw about that much. So I have gone ahead and moved. Deshaun Watson up ahead of Matt Ryan on my board. Not quite ahead of Aaron Rodgers, but I wouldn't mind getting Watson the sixth round at this point. That's fair. All right, guys. So as I mentioned, we were really excited about Darwin Thompson and Damian Williams. And then the Bills cut Leshaun McCoy, which everybody saw coming. I mean, we talked about that even two months ago on the show tags, but then he signed with Kansas City. So what does this mean, Marcus, for Damian Williams truthers?
2: Uh, it ain't good. I know that. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I, I... Don't think I drafted Damian Williams anywhere, and it wasn't smart, man. <laughs> it wasn't because I saw this coming. Like I, you know, I'd like to do a victory lap and say I saw this coming, but that would be a lie. It just something about that situation just didn't sit right with me, and I couldn't really pinpoint what it was. And uh, I think, especially at the the price, when people were talking second round, even third round, it just didn't really sit right with me. It's nuts. It was. It was kind of nuts.
0: To a guy that we don't even know if he can touch the ball more than 15 times a game. I mean, I get it. It's a great offense, but you take someone like that in the fourth round.
2: I, I also think, you know, and somebody I can't remember who I was talking to that made this point, that It's not like Damian Williams is a brand new running back, right? And I think people have kind of forgotten the Miami years, right? The fact that he was a backup for a long time. And I think people kind of just saw his name pop up and they're like, oh yeah, this new guy, Damian Williams, like that's, that's not really the case. Some people probably thought he was a rookie, right? Right. I think, I think there was some of that, right? So now, obviously, you've got Damian Williams, who at best is in a timeshare uh, with LaShawn McCoy there. I mean, let, let's keep in mind that the the Chiefs are paying McCoy more than they're paying Damian Williams right now. and And he's back with his old coach. So at best it's a timeshare at worst McCoy comes in and ends up becoming kind of the number one running back there and getting the bulk of the, of the opportunities. And I know that the, the knee jerk reaction is that, well, he was bad last year and he's washed. And my response, because I like to play devil's advocate to these sorts of things is that two years ago. Uh he had almost sixteen hundred scrimmage yards, and yeah, I know I know last year was not good, but he was behind arguably the worst run blocking line in the National Football League. Josh Allen had a lot of rushing yards, but so many of those were improvised they weren't you know these weren't scripted running plays. it was him just taking off and trying to make something happen um you know i I don't know that suddenly McCoy goes back to being a top ten fantasy running back top five fantasy running back, but I think just to say that suddenly he's washed up because he had one bad year just it just feels premature to me. Tags, here's the argument I'm sick of hearing. Well, LeSean McCoy's wash, he was
0: horrible in Buffalo. Guys, that was before he got to Andy Reid's offense. Damian Williams was horrible in Miami. So what difference does it make? They're both in Andy Reid's offense. They can both be good. But the thing is, I think both of them are upside because they're going to be splitting carries. And Darwin Thompson's still there too. I'm not attacking this backfield. I wasn't attacking Damian Williams beforehand. And the thing
1: you need to note is that Damian Williams is going to start, apparently, but they're going to mix in McCoy. But... They play the Jaguars in week one. Then they have the the Raiders in week two. That should be a good week for everybody. But then the Ravens in week three, the Lions in week four, the Lions have gotten a lot better against the run. They've added this offseason. So three of those first four games are absolutely brutal. So if Damian Williams like struggles a little bit out of the gate, it could be McCoy's job. And I'm with Marcus on this one where I don't think McCoy is gonna all of a sudden turn it back into, you know, 27-year-old that you know dominated the league and you know won fantasy leagues. I think he's a guy that can get the job done. Uh, did anybody think that Damian Williams was a guy that can get the job done after leaving Miami and Andy Reid's offense? No, they were just like he's a guy, right? And he was a guy. Until like week 13. So, like adding LaShawn McCoy, I am not going to write this off. Andy Reid obviously, you know, felt it necessary to go out and get LaShawn McCoy to pay him $4 million. I don't think you pay a guy $4 million to sit on your bench. So, I think McCoy has more value than people think. And I think that you could be talking about by week five that it's his starting job.
0: All right, guys, we're going to keep moving with some of this news here in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about a cool opportunity with DraftKings. Guys, it's time to celebrate. Football is finally back. And DraftKings, the leader of one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown. With $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. You just draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who signed up today on DraftKings using code FANTASYPROS, all one word, are going to receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Get in on the season opener action, download the DraftKings app now, and use promo code Fantasy Pros, all one word. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. And new users, don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter my code, Fantasy Pros, to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code Fantasy Pros, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. By the way, I mentioned earlier that only premium members had access to our waiver wire assistant. Well, we have a special $10 offer going on right now with DraftKings that allows you to get six months of our Hall of Fame package. It's our highest premium tier at fantasypros.com slash offers. All you have to do is head to fantasypros.com slash offers, make a $10 deposit as a first-time user to DraftKings, and you can win money with that $10 too, so it's basically free. And that's going to get you six months of full access to all our premium tools and content, a $65 value. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash offers. All right. So we do need to talk about Darwin Thompson. Um, Does he have any upside still? Or is this kind of like just a long shot, Marcus? I think it's a long shot now. Bomber. Yeah, he was going in the ninth round four days ago.
2: Yeah. I mean, he had a lot of upside four days ago. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) uh, I guess file this under life comes at you fast, right? Uh, This is... The the idea potentially of, of this thing turning into a three man backfield makes me a little bit queasy. And right now, if it does that, Thompson is easily the third man in that group. I mean, this is this is kind of a battle between Shady and and Damian Williams. And there's just I don't think there's going to be enough left for Darwin Thompson to make a, a fantasy impact. And so for all those folks who invested draft capital in him, sorry about your luck, because I, I just don't see there being any real upside at this point.
0: Tags? Do you agree with that? I mean, would you even take a flyer on him in the fourteenth round at this point?
2: Um,
1: yes, I would. I I'd keep him on my bench if you if you have like six man, eight man bench spots. Yeah, I would keep him there just because we talked about that. McCoy is not twenty seven years old anymore. Uh, Damian Williams has not been the most. He, he's been somewhat of a fragile running back. He's never carried a workload. All those concerns that we talked about before. If he's inefficient to start the season and like. You want Andy Reid's running back, and the thing is, even if we go back to last year, we would have thought there's no way that Damian Williams ever has fantasy relevance. Now, granted, it took
0: a, a couple injuries to get there. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to hold Darwin Thompson for three months and wait for that to happen, but it could happen.
1: Basically, you just see if he has a role in the offense right away because Andy Reid could decide with a full blown timeshare to start the season and say, I'm going to play whichever one gives me the best shot. Like who is ever being the most efficient, and it's very possible that Darwin Thompson is that guy. So I'm not saying
0: I, I think it's likely if, if he does that. I think Darwin Thompson's the best running back on this team. I don't know if I want to go. I think there will be a contrast big enough that the Andy Reid might say, we're just going to roll with Thompson. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go
1: that far yet, but um, at the same time, it, we're talking about bench stashes. These are guys that you're not going to rely on as starters. You can wait a couple weeks. And if you, if you have to cut them for somebody, that's fine. Uh, but these are guys that oh, you're just hoping for them to get an opportunity. And I just want to see what this timeshare actually is in week one. Hold on just a
0: second. Okay. I, I know you said you're not so sure about that, but last week, You were hyping up Darwin Thompson like nobody else, man. He was better than Damian Williams then, but all of a sudden he's not? Or are you saying that LaShawn McCoy is that much better than Darwin Thompson? I didn't say. If I said that, then I would have been drafting him in the third round, Bobby. Well, you weren't expecting him to start. I mean, you were drafting him because you thought he might take over the job for Damian Williams like everybody else. Correct. And now you add LaShawn
1: McCoy to the mix, a guy they're paying $4 million. So is he worse than LaShawn McCoy? I, we don't know that. We've never seen him play in an NFL game. The idea, I can care less about the running back talent right now. I'm just talking about Andy Reid's offense and the idea that you want parts of it. I also will tell you on this show, I am in 16 different fantasy leagues. I own Darwin and Thompson and exactly zero of them. I've done all my drafts. I own him in zero. Why? Because he went well beyond where I was willing to draft him. I said that he was a 10th rounder for me. If you want to go to the ninth because you have Damian Williams, I'm cool with that. But he was going in the seventh, eighth round of some drafts I did in an auction draft. He was like Marcus and I did an auction draft, uh, an industry league. How much did he go for that, Marcus? He was expensive as hell. And like you and I were just sitting there like, what in the hell is happening? Because <laughs> Marcus and I both employed like this. We were waiting to draft running backs and it was an auction. So it was like we were waiting for guys like that to come off the board so we can get them. And they just went for much more expensive than I thought.
2: That was not a great strategy considering how expensive running backs got.
1: <laughs> it was stupid. It was dumb. It was, Like, we got to the end, and I think Marcus nominated C.J. Anderson just thinking he could get him for a buck or two, and he ended up
0: going for, like, five bucks. It was ridiculous. So who was your RB1? Like, Zach Zenner? <laughs> no,
2: I mean, I, I, ended up, I ended up over, I won't say overspending, but I ended up spending a lot for Christian McCaffrey because I just knew that, I mean, I didn't realize how crazy it was going to get. Dalvin Cook went off at, like, what? 30 34 something like that and that ended up being like one of the best bargains in that draft
0: yeah that sounds like a good value i would love dalvin cook for that much
1: yeah it was but then darwin thompson i think he went for like 14 or 15 bucks i got alan robinson for like the same price that darwin thompson went for
0: wow that is bizarre <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I that is own, so stupid I own zero
1: so i wasn't too high on i was like i wanted him like if i could get him as a bench stash but now when people are dropping him i'm more than willing to take him
0: off the waiver wire All right, guys. So Lashawn McCoy is out of Buffalo. Everyone is so pumped about Devin Singletary. He's going to be a workhorse. (laughs) I don't know, guys. I mean, Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon are still there. And guess who's been playing with the first team? Hasn't been Singletary. He had one one snap with the first team last game. It was Frank Gore who had nine snaps with the first team. So I, I just think everyone is overblowing this Devin Singletary thing in the, what is it, sixth, seventh round at this point? I can't
2: do it. Marcus, do you disagree? No, I don't disagree, especially not at that draft price, you know, and, and there are reports right now that at least in the early part of the season uh, that Devin Singletary is not going to to be kind of a workhorse there. Look, my, my mantra, one of my many fantasy mantras is Frank Gore will never die. Right. So he is going to somehow end up with like you know 200 touches by the time the year is over he's going to be knocking on the door of a thousand yards because that's just what Frank Gore does and he's going to do it until the earth like you know crashes into the sun so yeah I, I can't you know I, I think maybe there's an opportunity maybe in the back half of the year where we see Devin Singletary get a little more opportunity but you know, let's also not forget that TJ Yeldon may not have a big role but it may be big enough to just mess up somebody else's day and and this thing has gotten a lot sloppier now than I thought we all believed it would be Maybe uh, a week or two ago.
0: So, Tex, I've got Devin Singletary, RB37. Where do you have him right now?
1: I moved him up to I think it was RB thirty four. I'm not crazy high on him. I don't I don't really understand people saying that he, like some people actually said that he's like a low end RB two. I'm like, no. Right. I've been hearing that. Like look at the names that you have to put him over, like in order to get into that territory. It's just
0: Yep. Like this is the Bills offense that scored two hundred and seventy-six points, guys.
1: It was ridiculous. So I put a tweet out about it saying that they would draft him over Miles Sanders, and I'm like What are you talking about? Like, what's the, like, what is the upside with someone like, what's the upside with someone like Devin Singletary that he is like, look at LaShawn McCoy in the same offense last year. LaShawn McCoy was not looked at as washed coming into 2018. He is now, of course he is now, but it's part of that offense. I know they rebuilt the offensive line. They added a bunch of new parts to it. The offense should be better, but they're also talking about throwing a bit more because they added some options in the passing game. They they did add Frank Gore. They did add TJ Yeldon, who's probably a better receiver than both Gore and Singletary. So I want it's a three way timeshare, guys. Like they're going to mix and match these running backs. Gore will never, ever, ever die. And even if even if Singletary gets twelve to fourteen touches per game in the Bills offense, I still think that's RB three territory.
0: I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you look at last year, there were a couple guys in that range. Tevin Coleman, RB19. He played the entire season. So just 11.1 fantasy points per game. Um, Some other guys like that. Peyton Barber um I just I can't see it happening in this offense is really what it comes down to I take him over Peyton Barber if that's where we want to go well I, I would as well I'm just saying what Peyton Barber did last year because Peyton Barber we don't know what he's going to do right. this season we don't know if he's going to start but last year he was the starter And this year Devin Singletary if he is the starter might be as good as Peyton Barber I get it he's a better football player than Peyton Barber but the offense just sucks he's not a
1: locked in. he's not like a guy that I'm
0: going to start every week that's for sure so Marcus, are you drafting Frank Gore then as like your RB five? <laughs> no, <I> <laughs> <laughs> it's a Carlos
1: Hyde situation.
2: <laughs> you know, I I really haven't done that, and and I look, I love Frank Gore. You know, I I think just random non non fantasy sort of comment here. I I think he may be. I won't say the last Hall of Fame running back we see for a while, but the way running back is going in the National Football League, like we're Hall of Fame guys going to be few and far between and Frank Gore is going to be one of those guys will look back at his career and be like, man, this dude was actually really good seeing where the position is gone.
0: He, he's a gem but i don't think he's a hall of famer i mean he, he will get in the hall of fame i wouldn't vote for him
2: though i think he, but see here's the thing I i think right now as we sit here right now people are like yeah he's not a hall of famer but he's gonna be one of those guys that as if the running back position keeps going the way it is and and we keep having committees and guys aren't getting a lot of touches and their yards overall you know aren't there we're gonna look back at his career in in the distant future and be like this guy was actually pretty good and especially because of the longevity he had um but I mean, he's racked up the stats,
0: absolutely, no doubt about it. And I guarantee Bill's mafia is going to come after me. By the way, my Twitter handle is at MikeTaglierNFL. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just – I just he was uh, top five running back maybe one year in his career. He was top ten, maybe two or three. Besides that, he was always better than average, um, but that, that's who he is. And if you want to put someone in the Hall of Fame for longevity, fine, do that. But I don't think he was uh, elite.
2: No, I don't think he was ever elite, but he was very good for a very long time. And I think that's going to count for something. And like I said, like, we're going to have a hard time finding a lot, you know, What right now I'd say what maybe Todd Gurley if he keeps going.
0: Very likely Mike Boone. We just haven't seen it yet, but Mike Boone for sure.
2: You know what I'm saying? Like these guys, I mean, like there are a few guys right now that seem to be on that track if they stay healthy and keep performing. But like, we're we're not going to have a lot of Hall of Fame running backs, you know, in the, in the very near future.
0: All right, we've got just a little more news to talk about. But first, I want to tell you about a contest that ends on Thursday night. We're giving away a signed Alvin Kamara Saints helmet. It doesn't take long to enter. All you have to do, just leave an honest review on iTunes or Stitcher. Any feedback, positive or negative, we appreciate it. We're going to read it all. And then send a screenshot of your review to contest at fantasypros.com. For more details, head on over to fantasypros.com slash contest, and that comes to us from Pristine Auction. Guys, if you haven't checked out pristineauction.com, Tags and I are always on this site looking for values, and there's hundreds, sometimes even thousands of items that they're auctioning off every single day, so there's guaranteed to be great values. Everything's guaranteed authentic from one of the most trusted sources. I just won myself a signed Curt Schilling baseball. I was a big Red Sox fan growing up, and so when they were finally winning the playoffs, Curt Schilling was the man, and I absolutely loved it. Those bloody sock days. That was awesome. Kurt Schilling was one of my favorite. And I found a Kurt Schilling signed baseball for a great price. It was 20 bucks on pristineauction.com. You can check out what they have for you, no matter who your team or favorite player is. I bet you're going to find something that you love. And by the way, you can get $5 off when you sign up. Just enter the registration code fantasy When you sign up, it's free to sign up and you're going to get $5 off your first purchase at pristineauction.com. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. All right, guys. So we uh, we got some updates on Zeke and Melvin Gordon. So we need to close out the news section by talking about these guys. Uh, where are we drafting Zeke now? That there's a deal apparently on the cusp. Tags.
1: We've been hearing this crap forever. Like I- I'm tired of it, and I, I keep telling people. Like I- I'm I kid you not, with every single report that comes out, I get a million people in my mentions asking me, "Do I take Zeke at, at number four overall? Do I take him?" I'm like, if Zeke signs, I take him at 101. If Zeke has not signed by the time you draft, I would not draft him in the first round. I do think he's going to sign, but I am not willing to risk it. I'm really just not because like, the running back position is just too important. It could put you behind uh, the first couple of weeks of the season. It could force you to do things with your roster that you really don't want to do because you started out 0-2, 0-3, whatever the case is. Again, I do believe that he is going to end up like signing, and I don't, I don't know if he plays week one. It's getting really, really late uh, for that to happen, but uh, again, I don't believe anything until I hear... He has signed the dotted line. He's coming back to the team.
2: So I will uh, I will throw some even colder water on that cold water. You just threw their tag. <laughs> uh, this was a tweet from from Jane Slater a colleague over here at NFL Network uh, from earlier this morning and I'll just read a tweet verbatim. A source informed tells me that while talks with Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott continued late Sunday, the deal is still quote, not close. When I asked what's holding it up, the answer was the same as last month, quote, everything. And (laughs) The follow-up to that is uh, Todd Archer, who's one of the beat writers down there in Dallas saying that Jordan Chun has been moved from the practice squad to the 53 man roster. So it would appear that the- That's not promising. The Cowboys are. They seem to be preparing to go into at least Week One without Zeke right now.
0: Holy cow, man! You know, when I was reading the reports on Sunday that a, a deal is going to be signed likely today, I thought, I don't, I don't buy this at all, man. Like, and then we're hearing the reports that uh, Zeke's side is just being completely unreasonable. All of a sudden, like maybe they were close, and then Zeke's like. Psych, you're going to have to give me an extra $5 million. I have no idea what's going on, but I agree with tags. Until he signs, I'm not taking him until after, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, Odell Beckham, Todd Gurley are off the board. I don't, I'm not interested. Is he your 1-1 if he signs so, Marcus? Say he signs before this even publishes
2: no i've been planting the flag with christian mccaffrey and i'm staying with that i would not balk at anyone taking zeke at number one overall i think he was one of you know three or four guys that were in the mix so yeah if he signs then i I think that's still fine but i i'm still rolling with cmc
0: it's so interesting to see what both these teams the cowboys and the chargers are doing trying to convince you know zeke and melvin gordon to play like the cowboys are talking up tony pollard like he's the goat um the chargers are, are right now i think this is really interesting they said you can go out and seek a trade. See if you can find anybody who wants to pay you $14 million. And then Gordon's camp obviously couldn't do it. And so now they're saying, see, we told you. Now they're not even going to consider signing an extension until the end of the season. So he's either playing for $5 bucks or he's not playing until week 10 when he absolutely has to. Which one's it going to be?
1: <sighs> well, Travis Benjamin came out, like, uh, tweeted something this morning saying that Melvin Gordon's going to be out there with him week one. So, I mean, wow. I, I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek. I don't know if it was him just trolling somebody because they were asking him for advice on Melvin Gordon, what to do with fantasy football.
0: Maybe he's just trying to make Melvin Gordon feel like a jerk like the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell last year.
1: Honestly, I think Melvin Gordon just needs to show up, and it, it really sucks for him. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, like, fair to him what's going on because he does He does deserve a new contract. He really does. Uh, he should have just accepted
0: ten. million million then instead of being a goofball thinking he's going to get 14 million being a running back
1: well that's not going to happen like no that's not going to happen with running backs anymore I, I really don't see it I mean maybe Zeke does just because I, I don't know but Melvin Gordon is not going to get that he needs to show up just because I want him to accrue that year towards free agency or get a new deal and just get paid dude so I mean I'm rooting for that and I, I hope that Travis Benjamin was like saying that because he knows
0: I hope so too because I have so many shares as you know tags yeah,
1: I have a couple because <laughs> I got them really cheap but I'm I'm getting more worried by the day
0: yeah I am too I mean I'm still taking him in the late third round early fourth round if you're if you're listening to this but I don't know maybe there's something that comes out between your draft and the time you listen to this that changes that so just keep an eye on my twitter at Bobby Pro and I'll let you know when my rankings change as we get news not just on Gordon but on everything all right guys so time to talk some waiver wire right now and um you know we're gonna go streaming quarterback streaming tight end DST kicker at the end of the show I want to talk about some running backs who are potentially out there uh you know 50% ownership range, 40% 30%. We'll start at the top though. Someone in more shallow leagues who's available tags who do you like?
1: Uh, you know, we we've already talked at the running back position. We already kind of talked about Carlos Hyde is um he was dropped in a lot of leagues. I want to say that he's available in like I, th- I want to say it was under forty percent of leagues he was owned. So Carlos, ha-
0: that's bizarre because his his stock went up this weekend. In my mind,
1: it did, and I that's the thing is I don't know if it just hasn't caught up yet. Where people maybe they have to bid on these players, you know, I it's I'm unsure. But him and Justin Jackson are the two that are in the thirty to forty percent range. Uh, Jackson, obviously, you know, he's not going to walk into a workhorse role. Austin Eckler is going to. I actually did some more research on that, and I, I would I would assume that it's going to be like a 65-35 split with Eckler and Jackson. So Jackson's not.
0: That's what the snap count has been this preseason. For the Chargers, I like Jackson until I realize that.
1: Yeah, so Jackson is like he's somebody that like if they're going to run the ball thirty times in a game, I think that Jackson could have some value. But he's more of like a handcuff to Eckler, so I think he should be owned considering this stuff with Melvin Gordon. And if and if Gordon signs, you just drop him; it's no big deal because you didn't spend anything
2: to get him.
0: Yeah, Marcus, do you have a couple names?
2: We sort of mentioned with Frank Gore. I mean, he's he's still hanging out there in a lot of leagues right now, and and you know things sort of. I won't say completely cleared up, but we got at least a better idea of how things are going to shake out in that backfield now that that we know that Lashawn is not going to be there anymore. So there's an opportunity for him there. Um, you know, Carlos Hyde is another one. It's it's not necessarily a great situation, but there's going to be opportunity, as tags mentioned. You know, Bill O'Brien was giving touches to other running backs before, so I don't see why he's necessarily going to change his stance on that all of a sudden this year. So I mean, I think I think that's a, that's a situation where where early on, uh, at least uh, it's not it, it's worth at least having him on your bench to so just try to see how that timeshare shakes out and then you know going forward you can make a decision.
0: So I was excited to look on Yahoo and see Jalen Samuels is available in 50% of leagues but then I saw Justice Hill is still available in 72% of leagues and he's my number one must draft guy. I'd take him in the 10th round if I had to and I'm getting him in the 11th and the 12th round but um, man, he's my favorite pickup for sure, Tags, Yeah, he
1: was in my under 30% category because he's only, yeah, 28% owned in Yahoo League. So he was in my next conversation. This was, uh, these were just the guys I was talking about 30, 40%. But there's other guys in that under 30% range that should be absolutely owned
0: as well. So, can we talk about Justice Hill really quick, Marcus? What What do you think about Justice Hill's floor and his upside in this run heavy, up tempo offense?
2: Well, I think I think they're good. I think just for the reasons you mentioned, they are going to be a run heavy offense. And yes, Mark Ingram is going to absorb a, a lot of the oxygen in that atmosphere there, but he's not going to be the only thing that that uh, that they use. So, I, I think there's there's opportunity for Justice Hill. Dude's got some juice, right? And I just think that with the the Ravens committing to be so run heavy, there are going to be opportunities for him there. And then, you know, in the event that something happens to Mark Ingram, then suddenly that opportunity gets a whole lot larger.
0: Or they just realize, hey, this Justice Hill kid is great. And Mark Ingram, 30-year-old Mark Ingram, might not be so great outside of New Orleans.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a possibility too. Uh, I, I think he still has something left. I mean, I think that Mark Ingram was a guy that I always loved. and I just felt like the Saints never really gave him a full chance. And, and, and you know, maybe there's something to it, right? Maybe there's something they saw in practice that the rest of us didn't see, but I do think this is the opportunity. I, I know I said this with Lamar Miller too, right? Like get Lamar Miller out of Miami and give him a full opportunity and he'll be great. I still think Mark Ingram has a chance to be a little bit better than that. So I'm I'm curious to see what he does this year.
0: I think that's entirely fair. I mean, we've seen Mark Ingram handle big workloads. It's just the Saints didn't do it every single week. I think Baltimore is going to have to because they're going to run the ball 35 times a game. You know what? We're going to talk about this on our DFS show, but Mark Ingram is as close to a lock as you're... I mean, Chris Carson is the biggest lock ever, but Mark Ingram's really close to a lock in week one too. I mean,
1: anybody playing the Dolphins is going to be uh, <laughs> attractive. I mean, that that defense, that front seven is just... Good God, the lack of talent on that team is astounding. And I know they got a lot for Laramie Tunsil because uh, when they originally traded him, I was like, you don't trade when you're rebuilding. You don't trade your star left tackle. You don't do that um, because you need players to actually block for the quarterback that you're eventually going to draft. But uh, some people told me that t- with Tua being left handed, that they, they need a right tackle more than they need a left tackle. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, that that team is in full rebuild mode. They finally conceded and, and, and just accepted that. So yeah, a lot of te- a lot of players are going to be like streamed against them.
2: How do you feel if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, though, and they just traded away your left
1: tackle? Right? <laughs> I'm fa-
0: I'm making an injury. Josh
1: Rosen can get in there, man. He had Donovan Smith blocking for him last year, so it can't get much worse than
0: that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Tampa did have a bad offensive line. You know, I think the Dolphins are doing it the right way. I know it sucks for Dolphins fans, but look at what the Browns did acquiring all those picks. Now, you still have to make the right picks and everything like that. But, um, you know, if the, if the Dolphins can go out there and get some offensive line help next year and maybe uh, a Judy, in that in the top 5 picks and then 2021 they get Trevor Lawrence. That's looking hot.
1: Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Everybody's going to be waiting <laughs> for that one. Everybody's going to be trying to accumulate draft picks for when he comes out, but we'll we'll see what actually happens. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's got to be bummed because he's playing for a team that basically doesn't care. You know, he's not getting any
0: younger. Yeah, he's in straight DGAF mode all the time though. So he doesn't <laughs> care, man. He's going to go out there and throw for 5,000 yards no matter who is wider. I'm just kidding.
1: That's <laughs> no, not happening. Any other running backs you like, Tags? Uh, not in that. I mean, in that range, like if we go under 30 range, there's quite a few in that range that I like. Um, Guys like Alexander Madison, Damian Harris, and Mike Davis. I think all of them should be owned uh, on teams. You know, I talked about Darwin Thompson. These are guys like Madison, obviously they drafted him in the third round. Was it a bad pick? Yeah. Do they value that number two running back in their offense? Yeah. Uh, Damian Harris backing up Sonny Michelle, who's had two knee scopes in the last 12 months. And then Mike Davis, who has, I, I've said this before, he has dual handcuff ability here because he's going to be a handcuff for both Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery because he could play all three downs. He showed in Seattle that he could handle a bigger workload if they needed him to on first and second down. So Mike Davis, like, I continually say it like that. Bears offense was 12th in scoring last year, and it's a year further in. They have the same pieces returning. Mike Davis is obviously being added, but I don't think he has. Allen Robinson's healthy. Um, Anthony Miller's healthy. Yeah, I don't think Davis has standalone value, but as someone that you want on your bench in case an injury occurs, absolutely. Do you like those names, Marcus? And do you have any others?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I like those names. I'm curious to kind of get your guys' thoughts on because a name that. that... I've been kind of kicking around and, and don't really know what to do with is Ty Montgomery, right? Because there's, there's talk that, that he will have a bit of a role there in that Jets offense this year. And I mean, look, if you, if you go by how guys were used in the preseason, um, you know, and now that we live in a world where, where coaches don't want to play some of their, their key pieces in the preseason, Ty Montgomery didn't play a lot. In the preseason, so like if,
0: And when he did play, he actually looked really good.
2: Right. So, I mean, if we're reading the tea leaves, I, I mean, that suggests to me that, that maybe Ty Montgomery could, could, in deep release, have some standalone value. And I just, I don't completely know what to do with it. I was just kind of curious at what if you guys had any thoughts about that.
0: <laughs> I'd rather take an upside shot on a Malcolm Brown, who I think will be the primary back if Todd Gurley does go down. Daryl Henderson's going to be involved with Todd Gurley. Daryl Henderson's going to be involved if Todd Gurley goes down, but I don't think they plan on him being their number one. They've been holding Malcolm Brown out. Like you talked about with with Ty Montgomery. I'd rather take a shot on, on Brown or Chase Edmonds, but I have no problem with Ty Montgomery because if anything does happen to Le'Veon Bell and he hasn't been the epitome of health, uh Montgomery would come into a big workload. Now, granted, it's the Jets offense, bad offensive line, slow pace, so I don't really love his upside, but he could be a solid RB2 in that situation. With that said, the Jets are apparently looking for running back help.
1: I would rather roster Rex Burkhead. I'm not lying.
0: Would you? Okay. Wow.
1: I don't. I don't like Ty Montgomery. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's getting it. If they, if Adam Gase does play him over Le'Veon Bell in some, like legitimately, if Le'Veon Bell is not on that field for like. 85, 90% of snaps, like he's not doing his job correctly, which he's done before. Bell's probably just going to quit if that happens. So
0: I'm not, no, I,
1: Ty Montgomery is a big no-no for me because even if something did happen to Le'Veon, I don't believe that he would walk into like a 15 touch role. I don't trust that offense. I don't trust Adam Gase. I mean, until he shows me something that he can do without Peyton Manning, I'm not going to trust Adam Gase.
0: Guys, what about Giovanni Bernard and CJ Anderson? If anything happens to Joe Mixon, I think Bernard would be the guy. And we've already seen that the Detroit Lions are planning on using C.J. Anderson a little bit, even with Kerryon Johnson there.
2: I'm still a little bit bitter because I tried to get C.J. Anderson for a dollar and somebody like bit him up to like four or five. So... Uh, I'm a little bit salty about that. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know if these are guys that I want to just roster necessarily. I mean un, until until like I see something actually happen. I mean I think last year I, I tried that with Gio Bernard just you know n- knowing obviously Joe Mixon was going to be a starter in the workhorse, but I think we saw last year exactly how much of a workhorse he is going to be and so um I don't I don't know that I could hold a roster spot for either one of these guys knowing that the guy ahead of them uh, is going to get so much action this year.
0: Waiver wire speed down. Um I've got two more names here really quick. This is for much deeper leagues. Reichwell Armstead, Alfred Blue went to the IR for Jacksonville. Uh we we kind of saw this coming. It was a pretty serious injury, and Reichwell's been running as the, the clear cut number two with Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette is made of glass. And then the second one is in my mind is Brian Hill. Now I know tags, you think Ito Smith is the number two. I think that Brian Hill's the number two. Even if he's not, it's worth taking a chance because, again, Devontae Freeman hasn't really been uh, all that healthy in the past, and this is a very high-powered offense. I think Hill is, is the much better athlete than Ito Smith, so I think there's some upside there.
1: Fun fact, we learned that Ito Smith was named after uh, Judge Ito in the O.J. Simpson trial. I I learned that this weekend. Uh, It's like the weirdest things.
0: that. not it his nickname? Like, Ito's not his real name, is it? It's not his real name, no. Yeah, but that was an interesting tidbit that I heard. Do we know what his real... Romarius. Romarius Smith. I don't know, man. DK's got a a weird name, too. (laughs) I like like Romarius. I like it a little bit better than Ito. I'm going to start calling him that. I'm just going to sound terrible. All right, guys, let's go some wide receiver. And we'll start out at the uh, upper range and we'll start out in the more shallow range again. Marcus, why don't you start us off? Who do you like?
2: Um, Yeah, wide receiver, I think, is a little bit easier just because there's so much depth at the position. So there are a lot of guys, I think, that are just kind of hanging around. Up. We mentioned James Washington earlier is one that that should, you know, depending on how things shake out, should get a lot of opportunity. Kiki QT. I mean, these are all guys that have some opportunity, but there are always you know, some question marks. Michael Gallup is another one that I like that early, especially early in draft season, I was taking some shots uh, at Michael Gallup and he's one that I like. And then maybe and, and
0: Cooper's dealing with plantar fasciitis. So who knows if he's going to be out and then Gallup would be the number
2: one. Allegedly is back at practice today. So we'll see what happens. And then maybe the last one that I took a shot at is Albert Wilson, Now that Kenny Stills is out in in Miami, Albert Wilson suddenly moves up the board a little bit for me.
0: And Ryan Fitzpatrick loves slot receivers more than anybody in the history of football. So Albert Wilson is going to be absolutely peppered with targets, and he can break one, take it to the house, too. I'm going to use him all the time in GPP for DFS. Tags, I know exactly who you're going to. We're going to say the same two people, so why don't we just say it together on three, okay? (laughs) One, two, three. Anthony Miller and Golden Tate. Are Are they not owned in... 44% 44% ownership, 41% ownership. I mean, that's who you would say, right? That's stupid. I mean, I'm <laughs> taking Anthony Miller in the 11th round, Golden Tate in the 12th, all day.
1: I would, I did not know that they were so little owned, but yeah, I mean, gold. the thing is, is guys, we're searching for people on our bench that could potentially work their way into a starter role or help us with bye weeks, be a potential breakout candidate, whatever. Anthony Miller can deliver, he might be able to deliver wide receiver three, wide receiver four value in, in week one. He's, he's back on the practice field. He's playing. Um, and then you have Golden Tate, a guy... Yes, he's suspended for the first four weeks. Okay, do you have any bye weeks for the first four weeks? And if you need him over the first four weeks, you probably drafted terribly. So for me, Golden Tate, if you're able to get him in like the 12th, 14th round, I was open to it. But to know he's under 50% owned, that's kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: Again, these are for more shallow leagues because I guarantee you in 12 team leagues, their ownership is like 80 and 90%. It's gotta be, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Anthony Miller has breakout
1: potential written all over him. So I mean... Yes, he does. I don't get this one. But James Washington is the guy that... Is I'm shocked he's under forty percent owned. Is is just a guy? It's like, what are we looking for on our bench? Like, who are you guys drafting that that you can't have James Washington on your bench?
0: All right, my next guy's a guy with some upside, and I think he's got some safety. It's it's Sanu for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, if anything happens to Julio Jones, we've seen Sunu be an, a, a low-end wide receiver too. Obviously, Calvin Ridley is still there, um, but Sunu was second on this team in snaps and targets last year, and he was he was useful. I mean, the 838 receiving yards, 66 receptions. You can use him as a solid wide receiver five, and again, if anything happens to Jones, you start Sunu every single week. And then another guy that I like, Marquise Goodwin for San Francisco, uh, Jimmy G has not looked good. But Dante Pettis has not been the guy who's out there with the first team all the time. It's Marquise Goodwin. And we've seen him with Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was awesome. Marcus, what do you think about these two, Sanu and Goodwin?
2: I don't know. Sanu, I feel like we kind of know who he is. And that's not bad. But, uh, I mean, you talk about kind of taking guys with upside. The thing that I guess gives me a little hope about Goodwin is that we haven't really seen him... He, he kind of plays in fits and starts, right? Like he hasn't been on the field consistently, but I love his potential of, of what he can do when he is healthy. So maybe there's that. Although even you know, in late in draft season, I started to maybe pivot toward Debo Samuel a little bit in that San Francisco offense just to, to see what he could be. Because again, kind of young guys with upside, but we're, we're sort of waiting to see we don't know who Jimmy Garoppolo is yet, right? We we think we know who he is. We we think we we hope he's good, but we don't really know. And that, I think, more than anything, impacts how the rest of those receivers around him will perform this year.
0: I know everybody wants to point to Jimmy Garoppolo in those, what was it, six games that he started after he got traded, didn't know the playbook, hadn't worked with the team, and he was absolutely on fire. But you know what? You can go back through NFL history, even in the last 10, 15 years, and you can find the most random guys with six, seven-game sample sizes while they were starters. Tyler Thigpen was a fantasy stud. Austin Davis, you prorate his numbers out to 16 games, 4,900 yards. These guys can post big, big, you know, six-game stretches. Marcus Marita was the number one fantasy football player for an eight-week time period. Blake Bortles for five weeks. That doesn't mean Jimmy G is good. I think there's a chance he loses his job and they move on. Draft a quarterback next year.
1: Whew, that's a i mean that's a hot take spicy there's some doctors that say that he still doesn't trust his his knee uh basically the, the part of coming back from an ACL that i've learned it's like mental like coming back mentally requires just as much physically where it's like people can bounce back from ACLs but you have to trust your leg again and some doctors have said that Based on his throwing motion, he doesn't look like he totally trusts it. Though, in the third preseason game, he did look much better. Um, so, I mean, fortunately for Jimmy Garoppolo, he gets the Bucks in week one. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> That's a fix-all. <laughs> that, it really is. Like, that team is just in shambles right now. And it looks like they're going to be without Vita Vea for the first game. And
0: So, okay, what what game scores more points? The 49ers and the Bucks. Or the Lions and the Cardinals? Because both of
2: them are going to be over like a thousand. I'd go Niners-Bucks just because I, I still think the Lions are going to try to run the football a whole lot and maybe just slow it down a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm i going to I'm gonna take Marcus's side on that. Even though I want to say that the, the Lions are shifting towards like Arizona might have the higher over under. Uh, no, it's a 47 and a half where the Tampa and San Francisco is 49
0: and a half. Okay, well, that answers that question. I disagree, though. I think it's going to be Cardinals-Lions. I'm stacking the Lions in DFS week one. Let's go, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we get to the deeper league-wide receivers that are available, I want to tell you about Roman. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually just more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. I told you guys last year I tore my Achilles. It's because I didn't go in and get help when it was starting to bother me. The same is true for guys with erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED if appropriate from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. And getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Fantasy and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment's appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to your doctor. Erectile dysfunction will be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com. Slash Fantasy Pros. All right, other wide receivers. Let's go down to the uh, below 25% range tags.
1: Traquan Smith is someone, I mean, I I think both him and Ted Ginn can be owned. uh, Where Ted Ginn is the guy, like if if you're going to look for someone for production early on, he's got the starting gig. Uh, Traquan Smith is the upside play where it's like if you want him on your bench and if there's an injury in front of him, he's going to walk into a lot of targets. Um, But the other one is, I mean, I know nobody wants to hear it and I'm tired of, so- I'm talking about it, but Devante Parker, uh, they traded away Kenny Stills and some people ask me like, what did this do for Devonte Parker? I'm like, I didn't imagine Stills was like a giant threat to Devonte Parker.
0: They were talking about cutting him.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I was never really that worried about him, but again, we're talking about like when you're looking on the waiver wire, you're searching for guys with opportunity. Now, do you need to pick up Devante Parker right now? They're playing the Ravens in Week One, so probably not. Uh, but if you wanted to like in like preemptively and just say I'm not going to use him because their schedule to start the year is absolutely brutal, which has forced me to drop Devonte Parker down and like not even draft him in some leagues. But he's a guy that could be in line for um you know if he stays healthy for all 16 games. Is there any way that he sees fewer than 100 targets?
0: Unless Adam Gase comes back and coaches this team and puts him on the bench, no, I don't think so. I mean, Marcus, is
2: that isn't that rare to find on the waiver wire? I mean, it is. I just. I don't know. I guess I've had my heart broken so many times, <laughs> you know, I just have had my heart broken so many times. And I just I just don't know. I just don't know.
0: But that was because of injuries and Adam Gase. Like when he plays, he's actually been good.
1: Yeah. I, and, well, I mean, he hasn't had a quarterback and you could argue the same thing right now. Um, But again, that team is just so bad. It's hard to, to attach yourself to them. I get that. Uh, but if you want to attach yourself for like pure upside, DK Metcalf is owned in like 30 percent of leagues. DK is like, after the release of Jaron Brown, you should feel really good about DK Metcalf. Like, he may not be, like, right out of the gate, like, dominate because he's coming off that knee scope a couple weeks ago, but he is going to be a starting wide receiver for Russell Wilson, and we saw David freaking Moore walk into that and, like, just, you know, be a fan, fantasy relevant. Well,
0: David Moore looked really good on film. Don't say David freaking Moore. He was awesome. DK Metcalf is twice, three times, four times the prospect. No doubt about it, but that doesn't mean he's a better football player. Yes, it does. You could go get Russell Westbrook, and yeah, he's a much better athlete than David Moore. That doesn't mean he's a better wide receiver. DK Metcalf is a better wide receiver than David Moore. It's not close. Yeah, right right dude
2: i will wrestle you
1: marcus you want you want to be the time you want to be the tiebreaker here
2: i feel like david moore he just he flashed i mean look you, you made your point about you know short stretches right and david Moore kind of flashed in a short stretch i just think it's about opportunity though right like dk metcalf remember he was a superhero coming out of the combine i mean literally like was built like he was built like the batman suit with the sculpted abs and everything and then everybody saw his three cone and suddenly like that kind of faded away. I i just wonder whether or not Moore is a better wide receiver and and, and Metcalf is the better athlete.
0: You know, you look at fantasy points per target last year, David Moore had more than DeAndre Hopkins, Michael oh, Thomas. Gee, here we Odo go. Beckham. Yeah, here
1: we go, baby. Bring it, Tex. Because Russell Wilson threw a touchdown like every like five <laughs> passes. Like it was ridiculous. I mean, that's why that's the thing, is like Tyler Lockett scored more touchdowns like like on a on a point per target basis. Tyler Lockett was like one of the best receivers in football. That Doesn't mean NFL history. That doesn't mean he's the best wide receiver in football. It just means that he was very efficient with his targets because he happens to have one of the best
0: quarterbacks in the game, which, by the way,
1: is why I like DK freaking Metcalf.
0: That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I under, I understand what you're saying, dude. And we probably shouldn't talk about this much longer. I'm um, obviously for those of you who don't know, I'm not saying David Moore is better than Odell Beckham. Okay, I'm just saying I think he is a good football player.
1: He did say that. You guys might have missed it. No, that's not <laughs> what
0: I said. Get out of here. All right. Any other wide receivers you like in this deep range, Marcus? Yeah, I think I think you kind of hit most of them there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you mentioned Albert Wilson. He's five percent owned. That's a good one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know where Cole Beasley fits in that range. I mean, he's the guy that I think ends up being a security blanket for Josh Allen there. Uh, John Brown is shockingly not owned in a lot of places, too. That that That's sort of an eye-opener for me as well. Yeah,
0: he's a good one.
2: I mean, I think people forgot, like, he was a great fit with Joe Flacco. He just wasn't a great fit with Lamar Jackson and when they became a run heavy offense, but now he's back out. He's out underneath the shadow there and he's, he's with a quarterback who is more on the Joe Flacco end of things than on the Lamar Jackson end of things.
0: He was great while Joe Flacco was there and then he just kind of (laughs) disappeared. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. He was really great. I'm looking at his game log right now. He was awesome. And then he just sucked. Oh, I remember that. He reminded us of what he was in Arizona,
2: you know, and then, and then Joe Flacco got hurt and, and and, you know, Lamar Jackson took over and that was kind of the end.
0: But Hey, draft miles Boykin. (laughs)
2: No, (laughs) I'm totally kidding right
0: now. (laughs) Holy cow, guys. John Brown was wide receiver 11 through week seven ahead of Michael Thomas. What in the world? That sounds about right.
1: (laughs) had A few big weeks. I remember there was a I think it was a Thursday night game. Um, People were like, oh, John Brown's still alive. I'm like, he's been alive. Where have you been? (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: dang man
0: all right all right let's move on over to quarterback uh, obviously if you're picking someone at the up at this point it's to stream maybe you didn't realize that Aaron Rodgers was going up against uh, the Chicago Bears or Patrick Mahomes against Jacksonville I mean we're going to be talking week one starter Sit. I don't know if you start I don't know if you sit one of those guys you're definitely sitting Matt Ryan against Minnesota so maybe you need to pick up a streaming quarterback who do you like for week one tags
1: Matthew Stafford yeah baby Stafford against Arizona that team is not good. Um, I mean,
0: it's the opposite. It wasn't good. And then they lost two cornerbacks.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Patrick Peterson losing him is going to hurt because they don't have anybody to cover Galladay or Marvin Jones. Uh, Danny Amendola can be fine in the slot too. You know, Buda Baker can only do so much in that back half. Um, so, I mean, Stafford is like the, the streamer that you can get. He's available in like uh, over 70% of leagues. If you can get Garoppolo, I I might lean Garoppolo over Stafford, but so Garoppolo is fifty six percent on, which is why I didn't go with him. But I know that some people are worried, but yeah, in Tampa, it, as long as the weather cooperates, because there's like currently a a giant storm headed their way, but as long as the weather cooperates, like I I do project that game to have fireworks. The Tampa defense is just awful dude um but yeah stafford is perfectly fine and i think like the guy that's owned in under 20 percent of leagues nick Foles against the chiefs but i don't want to i don't want to trust him though
0: i don't either i mean i guess that's probably for two quarterback leagues where you'd need to pick up nick Foles. i i have another name that i like not quite as much as matthew stafford i do like him ahead of jimmy g but marcus why don't you go first
2: uh i mean the name that i kind of zeroed in on is is joe flacco too against the raiders i think what what really gets me Optimistic about it was seeing what Emmanuel Sanders did in his return. I mean, he had that huge game against the 49ers in the preseason that made me think, "Wow, Emmanuel Sanders potentially is back," and I think that really boosts uh, that Denver offense. Um, you know, I, I still hope to see maybe Deshaun Hamilton or Cortland Sutton kind of step up and, and become impact players, but I think uh, against a, a Raider defense that I expect to still be bad this year, Joe Flacco, at least for one week, has some some life in him.
0: I love Kirk Cousins against Atlanta. I think they're going to be passing quite a bit in this game. I mean. Cousins is own though, right? I mean his own's in sixty two percent of Yahoo leagues. You have to remember a lot of those are two quarterback leagues. Some of these are deeper leagues, some of these are leagues where somebody's drafting three quarterbacks. Most of our listeners are able to pick up Kirk Cousins right now.
1: I mean if you can then he's the he's definitely the top one on my board against Atlanta.
0: You like him over Stafford? Yeah, I do. Okay, I don't.
1: I mean, we'll see when the rankings come out, man. But I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'd i like Cousins there. Have you done your week one rankings yet? I'm, I'm working my way through them. As I write the primer, I basically write the notes on my player and then I go to my rankings and I move him as where, where I feel like I need to. And as of right now, I mean, Cousins is a guy that I feel confident with as a top 10 quarterback, whereas Stafford, it's like, I think Marcus hit the nail on the head where it's like... I do believe the matchup is fantastic. I also think that they could allow a ton of, a ton of yardage to both carry on Johnson and CJ Anderson, where it's like Detroit, if they want to slow the game down, uh, just basically like take the ball out of Kyler Murray in that offense's hand. That's what they, that's what they have to do. I don't think that, that Matt Patricia wants to go toe to toe with Cliff
0: Kingsbury. All right, guys, let's move on over to the tight end position and, uh, Everyone knows I've been hyping up Jeff Swaim's week one matchup against Kansas City. Kansas City gave up by far the most fantasy points to tight ends last year. Jeff Swaim's a little bit banged up, though. He hasn't really been practicing. He's been practicing off and on.
1: Oh, no, Bobby's guy.
0: Yeah, so I don't I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to use him anymore. Um, I, I mean, I, I haven't picked him up because I just didn't draft a tight end in a lot of leagues. You know, just because I figured I could pick up Jeff Swaim right before, uh right before week one. But if you do need to stream a tight end, who are you going with, Marcus?
2: Well, I mean, if if uh, tags is going to jump on Matthew Stafford, then then I'm going to I'm going to throw in with T.J. Hawkinson, right? Um, against that Cardinal defense, if they do throw the ball, I can't imagine them airing it out and trying to go deep down the field. But we know Stafford loves his slot receivers, he loves his tight ends. I think there's an opportunity uh, for T.J. Hawkinson maybe to get a little bit of run. And, and look, I, I know people are going to they're going to you know, give me the whole like don't deal with rookie tight ends, especially in week one. But I think there's a chance for there to be an outlier here.
0: Do you have somebody that you like?
1: I do. He's like a deep one and I guarantee you he's available in your league. Uh, Will Disley. So he's like someone that I wrote up the Seahawks Bengals game and I'm worried about pass attempts for the Seahawks. But again, you're also worried about like who the hell are they throwing the ball to because Tyler Lockett had one game last year over six targets. I'm not going to like go ahead and say, oh, he gets 10 targets. So even if the Seahawks throw 25 times, we have to figure out where those attempts go. And Disley is someone that, you know, Nick Vanette did not step up in the role that he you know basically should have last year when Disley went down uh the Bengals allowed the most fantasy points per game to tight ends last year including a touchdown every 11 targets in coverage that was the worst in the NFL um so if the, if you know if the Bengals do key in on slowing down Tyler Lockett i think Disley
0: is someone that can get free in the end zone and score a touchdown it's a great call that's exactly who i was going to say so maybe i'm a little bit biased <laughs> you know a lot of people are really excited about Darren Waller's upside as well i guess if you want to take a flyer on him and see if see if you've actually got something you know Derek Carr threw the ball a hundred more times last year than Drew Brees. So they throw the ball a lot over there in Oakland. I think they're going to be playing down in this game, even though it's a home game. So I think they will be passing quite a bit again. I'm not exactly sure how Antonio Brown's going to be coming off the frostbite. Um, Tyrell Williams is obviously there as well, but maybe Waller gets some catches. Or if you want to play touchdown or bust, you can go with Gerald Everett against Carolina. Uh, He's going to be involved a little bit more in in Los Angeles this year. Dallas Goddard against Washington. I know he's the backup, but they're going to use him. And he had a, a bunch of touchdowns last year as well.
1: We're gonna like talk about this in the DF show, but Gerald Everett is like a DFS tournament sleeper in Week One. Carolina is not very good against tight ends, uh, but I can't suggest him in season long leagues as a streamer just because his snap percentage was so low. It picked up when when Cup came
0: off the field, like. Well, just look at what they've been doing in the preseason. They're running a lot more one and two tight end sets than they did last year.
1: I know, but I it's also the preseason, and I don't think that a lot. Of, I think like honest to God, I'm. Marcus, you might be able to back me up on this. Like, you might have more insight on that side, but I'm fairly certain that, that more than half NFL coaches can care less about the preseason.
2: I mean, they yeah, not really. Uh, I think just, I, think, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, I think with what we've seen the last couple of years, and, and you know, Sean McVay definitely is, uh, I think, leading the, the charge on this now. Like, we're going to see fewer and fewer ones playing during the preseason going forward and you know we're in a very real situation where we may just have fewer preseason games in the very near future and what we do have is going to be used to kind of you know figure out the the middle and bottom part of rosters and try to figure out who, who the roster spots are going to be
0: all right guys let's go streaming dst i'm going first this time it's the new york jets at home against the buffalo bills and josh allen i think that's kind of a gimme though right I really like the improvements they made this offseason their, in, in their defense. Now, I don't love their offense. I don't love Adam Gase, but I think the Jets have some playmakers on defense, and you don't really need playmakers against the Bills.
1: I love the call. Uh, Greg Williams, uh, defensive coordinator for them, uh, he actually dials up the most blitzes. Like, he blitzed more than any other team in the NFL last year. And um, he's going to do that with Josh Allen. And Allen is, he legitimately was the worst quarterback in the NFL under pressure last year.
0: Uh, so I like this one, Bobby. I'm with you on the Jets. Buffalo fixed their offensive line a little bit this offseason. I mean, it's better than it was last year, but I still like the Jets.
1: But it's more just about pressure. Like, can they get pressure to him? And I do think that the Jets have enough talent on defense to get pressure. And yeah, it's. Yeah, even Jamal Adams is going to play closer to the line of scrimmage, and I, I believe they're going to bring him on blitzes, considering Chris Hernan's not even out there, so they're not going to ask him to cover a tight end very often, so I, I like the call on the Jets.
0: Do you have a streamer that you like, Marcus, at DST?
2: I don't know. There's not a, I mean, it's not a great week. I think for a lot of the streaming defenses out there. I mean, I guess if, if I, most of them were probably drafted because a lot of people are
0: smart and think I'm going to draft the best week one defense. Cause I'm playing the streaming game all year.
2: Right. I mean, that's, that's sort of where I'm looking right now. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if, you know, the lack of Zeke changes anybody's feelings about the giants. I mean, not, not, for me, particularly, I mean, you know, the Browns are drafted in a lot of leagues going against the mediocre and best Tennessee offense. I feel like this is, which is I think why you went first, right, Bobby, because you, you saw that there were no real streaming options out there. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take it right now.
0: Absolutely. That is exactly what I was doing. Um, okay, so a, a couple deeper ones if you need somebody. Kansas City, I don't love their defense, but they were a top 10 uh, d- fantasy defense last year, and they get Nick Foles in Jacksonville. Buffalo goes up against Sam Darnold, and I know he was better at the end of last season, but at the start of the year, he was turning the ball over all the time. Now, Marcus, let me ask you this, okay? Say you're in a more shallow league or a league where people don't actually draft two DSTs, right? So a smart league. You've got Seattle going at, at home to get Cincinnati. They're only, what, 60% owned, Philadelphia at home against Washington, and then Dallas at home against the Giants. If you're picking between those three, Seattle, Philly, and Dallas, which way are you going?
2: I'm probably going Philly right now because like i have looked at that washington offense and i haven't seen anything fantasy wise that i that i really want i mean maybe Darius guys is the only one that has any any bit of fantasy relevance there but the quarterback situation is a mess uh I, I saw the list of their their wide receiver depth chart and it it scares no one i guess except if you were a washington fan I and mean, it should scare you so right now that and what i, I think i heard is, is it eric flowers that's going to be starting at left tackle with with no Trent Williams available right now, so... And, yeah, and Philly
0: has the best defensive line in football. I don't even really know if it's that close.
2: They've got a great front seven, so yeah, that's where I would go.
0: Uh, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Trey Quinn, Terry McLaren, Paul Richardson. Not good, guys. Okay, same question for you, Tags and then we'll uh, we'll each name a kicker. Seattle, Philly, or Dallas?
1: I think Seattle is a team that you can consider like you know, at home.
0: I think that Denver
1: is another one that should be in that conversation. Uh Denver a- against Oakland. I know they're in Oakland, but Vic Fangio's defense that they-, they like literally went around and this is why I tell people the Bears defense is going to take a step back this year they went and interviewed like head coaches around the NFL. They said, who is the toughest d- defensive mind to game plan against? And like everyone was saying Vic Fangio. He brings a lot of different packages and they basically can't game plan for it. And that's why he's so good. I think Denver has a pass rush that can hide some of their deficiencies in the secondary. And Derek Carr's offensive line is just brutal. So I think Denver is a, as a team, they're actually a team that I've grabbed in quite a few leagues to stream in week one.
0: All right, guys, we do need to talk about kickers. No, we don't. Um, there's a lot of people who play in kicker <laughs> leagues. And the funny thing is, I'm in all these leagues, and I was going to look to see the ownership rates and everything. I quit all my leagues with kickers in them, so I can't even find the ownership (laughs) rates really quick while we're doing the podcast. But for me, it's Jason Myers going up against Cincinnati. He was a top three fantasy kicker last year, and a lot of times when a team's playing with a lead, they'll just end up kicking a lot more field goals. So Jason Myers, I've actually got him as a top five kicker in week one. He's only 50% owned.
2: I mean, I'm not as anti-kicker as a lot of people out there are. Like, I I sort of appreciate the randomness of it. Like, I think you know it, the randomness and unpredictability of it sort of levels the playing field in a lot of ways. So I'm I'm sort of cool with that. I don't know. I, like, what about house money, man? You got you got Stephen Hauschka going against the Jets there in a in a game where like there may not be a lot of touchdowns either way, but there will be some scoring. Like the teams I think will move the football down the field, and I could I could see both these teams sort of getting stuck in the red zone and then having to kick a little bit. So I you know throw some uh, a little weight behind Stephen Hauschka.
0: Now, Tags, when we did that kicker episode, like the five-minute segment at the end of the Joe Pizzi Pia episode, um, you mentioned five kickers who you actually wouldn't mind using just week to week because historically they have been near the top during those good offenses. Matt Bryant probably would have been one of them, right? And now he's 93% available correct yeah just picked him up
1: I also think that Dan Bailey is someone that you can grab off waiver wires too because he was someone that was expected to lose that job but it didn't happen in Minnesota so Minnesota versus Atlanta playing at home in a dome Uh, I think Dan Bailey is another guy he's only 13 percent owned so it's like you're looking for kickers that are attached to high scoring offenses preferably in a dome and I think Matt Bryant is a good one that you can grab because again he is only seven percent owned and he's going to play in a dome
0: 13 of 16 games this year kickers are the worst man that's a good way to end the episode. Let's just end it right there. Marcus, thanks for coming on the show.
2: I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Hey, it's our pleasure as always, Marcus. Take care. All right. And I want to say thanks to the sponsors of today's show, Roman, where you can get a free online visit and free two-day shipping for your ED treatment at GetRoman.com slash Fantasy And also Pristine Auction, where you can find all kinds of great values. Everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. That's PristineAuction.com. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And don't forget to use our registration code fantasypros for $5 off. And don't forget to sign up for our Alvin Kamara giveaway at fantasypros.com slash contest. Also, make sure to get in on that action at DraftKings this weekend. They've got their single game showdown with a $1 million top prize. You can enter for your free shot at DraftKings using code Fantasy Pros, on one word. And also don't forget to take advantage of our premium offer that we've got going on, where you can get our six-month Hall of Fame upgrade at fantasypros.com offers, where you can make a $10 deposit and you can win money with that $10 at DraftKings, and you'll get our Hall of Fame package. That's our highest premium package for six months, a $65 value at fantasypros.com slash offers. For Marcus Grant and Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football.
1: I just wanted you to watch me dissolve